One day in Iraq, a father turns to his 18-year-old son and says, Son, we need to go to the capital. There's an honourable matter for us to take care of. So the son and the father get in the car, and they drive the hour's journey that it takes to get to the capital. When they arrive, the father looks at the son and says, Son, we found a woman here for you to marry. And the boy looks down, smiles lightly at this beautiful opportunity that's presented itself to him. The son looks outside and just sees a sign with the name of the city on it. He turns back to his father and says, Thanks for the bag, Dad! Assalamu alaikum everybody and a very warm welcome to episode 35 of the Arabic with Sam podcast. I pray that you guys have had an amazing week. I pray that you guys have bounced back from the month of Ramadan and you guys are studying hard, learning tons of Arabic and enjoying it. That's the most important thing. So, um, in this episode we're, gonna just, we're talking about just levelling up our sentences a little bit. We're going we're gonna to take a little trip into Amiya land probably at some point throughout this podcast because some of the things that we're going to be learning have very, very easy equivalents in Amiya, which either you'll have heard before or will be useful to you if you want to learn, you know, spoken dialects of Arabic. So, so what we're talking about in this in this episode is how to kind of up-level our sentences, you know, how to up-level our Arabic sentences a little bit, because there's a few very useful little, little, you know, little expressions that you can learn that make your sentences just sound a lot better, do you know what I mean? And like, and these are kind of in sort of the higher brackets of grades for the Arabic GCSE as well, for those of you who are interested in that. So, you know, I, th- I think in English we call these kinds of verbs, I think we call them like auxiliary verbs or modal verbs or something like that, but, but you guys can maybe correct me on that. But we're talking about things where you say something like, I want to, and then another verb comes after it, right? So I want to play, blah, 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 or I hope to, blah, 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 or I need to, or I have to, or, um, you know, or, or I should, you know, but verbs like that, right? Like verbs that kind of govern another verb, like I should speak or, you know, I should do whatever, right? So, so verbs like that, right? And they're, they're, they're the kind of thing that we're going to get into in this lesson. So, um, so to start with kind of what, how these things are expressed in Aramiya a little bit, because there's very, very easy ways to express this in Aramiya, very, very easy ways. So like, so although there are a few different ways in Arabic to say that you have to do something, the way that's usually used in Aramiya is lazim. You just say analazim, like I, I I need to something something. Yeah, lazim is is just the way of saying have to, right? And you just stick a verb after it, right? I have to go in Aramiya is like analazim aruh, analazim aruh. I I have to go somewhere or analazim ekul. I I I need to eat something or whatever. And that's really easy, right? Like, even if you're masculine or feminine, you know, whatever, you can just say lazim, and that just means, like, must, yeah? Like, you have to, or or you must, right? And then with wanting to do something as well, like, the the dialects vary a little bit, but generally in in Egypt, you can say ayiz, and ayiz, or if you're a woman, you say an ayizah, and that means that you want something, and you you use it in a very similar way to um, to lazim, but... um, yeah, but 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 is it's not a verb. It's actually in the fa'il pattern. Um, Egyptian dialect is very good at using the fa'il pattern in lieu of um of, of verbs. I mean, instead of verbs, so you can um you know it's very kind of characteristic of the Egyptian dialect of Arabic. So rather than say like ana eskunu fi, you can say ana sakin fi. Rather than saying like I live somewhere by saying ana eskunu and using the verb, you can just use the active participle the fa'il instead and say ana sakin fi blah blah blah. And that's that's a very common habit. In, um, in all dialects, but it's particularly, it's particularly clear in, you know, in the Egyptian dialect. So, um, yeah, so that, that, that's how it's done in Egypt. In, in Palestine, um, Lebanon, Syria, 
um, you tend to say biddi, biddi, and um, this e on the end, you, you use it the same as like you use prepositions, how you use like indi and stuff like that. Like for I want an indi, you want, you know, endek or indik. That, that's how you do the, the endings in, in ami. You say indik for feminine and andak. That was rather biddik <laughs> and biddek, right? For you want and you want for masculine and feminine. But, um,. Yeah, but in 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 Arabic, Arabic, in in standard Arabic or in fusha, um, there are about I don't know how many how many we're going to go through about eight maybe about eight little verbs that are really useful um, to know. So, the first one is to hope to do something. To hope to do something. So you say ana atamanna. Atamanna means I hope. Ana atamanna. And then you need to put this n afterwards, right? This little word n is just about you know elif noun n and afterwards you need to use a verb which is monsoub right and that that normally means like if you're already kind of familiar with conjugating verbs a bit all it means most of the time is you stick a fatah on the end that's all it means most of the time right so if we're going to say something like um i hope i hope to i hope to go tomorrow or something like that i hope i'll go tomorrow yeah you'd say ana atamanna an adhaba ghadan yeah so you're saying adhaba rather than adhabu Normally in the present sense, if you're saying I'm going, you'd say adhabu. But um but after N, you know, N is one of the one of these things that makes the, the verb that comes after it um monsoub. But you know, as I say, with most verbs, you know, with most with a lot of verbs rather, um it just means you stick a fatah on the end. In all of the singular, for most of the students, so that's that's how you're gonna use it most of the time. So yeah, and atamanna and I hope to something something. And for those of you who are in the in on my programme, those of you who are my students on the sixty steps programme, um that's lesson twelve, by the way. Uh, step twelve is is what I'm talking about there. We cover a few few other of those in step twelve as well, just so you guys are aware of it. So yeah. Next one, um, is to say like I love to do something. Yeah, like, we, you know, quite often, like, real beginners, I'll hear the word hub. Hub does mean love, and, you know, if, you, if you're accustomed to Egyptian music and stuff, you probably hear habibi, it means, like, my dear or my love or whatever, or habibati, if, it, if you're talking to a woman. Um, but, uh, but the verb is uhibbu, to love something is uhibbu, or I love something rather is uhibbu. So if it's I love to something something, like, for example, if you love to play football yeah you can say and then again we need a monsoub after we need the certain monsoub so normally you would say i play yeah you'd say but because of the n before it, it's going to be yeah yeah and it needs to be because kurata the ball needs to be kurata because this is the object of the sentence the but it needs to be because whilst kurata is is the object of the sentence. It's also the mudaf in this. You say like the ball, ball of the foot. That's how you say football in Arabic. Kurat al qadami. Yeah. Um, Idaf is a step eighteen, by the way. <laughs> if, if any of you are on the program and you're not sure, you're not sure why we haven't covered that yet. That's step eighteen. Um, if you haven't covered that yet. So yeah. So so uhibbu n is a really useful one too. Next is to say that you want to. Um, you know, this is the most likely one that you guys will have known before listening to this. But uridu n. I want to. I want to learn Arabic. Yeah. Yeah. If if you're talking about the language of Arabic, you need to say That that's that's different to in Aramee. In Aramee, if you're saying Arabic, you can just say Arabi. You don't need to. It doesn't need to be feminine. But um. But in Fusha it does because. 
you're implying the lugha. The word for language in Arabic is lughatun, which is feminine, right? So it's kind of implied that you're talking about the language, which is why, you know, you use the feminine normally, um, you know, to describe the language in Arabic. So but back to this point, though. So, so uridu, I want an ata'allama. So I want that I learn. Uridu an ata'allama. You can say al-lughata if you want, but al-arabiyata will serve you just fine. And by the way, like when I'm saying these, like... I quite often, just as a point, I actually say the case endings on the end. But you don't need to do that. On the end of the sentence, you actually don't need to pronounce the case ending, right? Like, even if you were having a conversation in Fusha with someone, it's not really even correct for you to say, Yeah, you don't need to say this on the end. At the end of the sentence, you don't need to say the case ending, right? So in an actual conversation, if you're having, if you're fortunate enough to find people who would have conversations with you in Fusha, you would really just say, you know, yeah, and you just end with Arabiyah. That's just a side point, really, about about speaking speaking Fusha. But but I often I often put it on the end just for the benefit of the students, you know, I, yeah, just so the students know what case ending it is. So cool. So we've done we've done I hope to We've done I love to yeah or and then we did I want to an. So um the next one is I need to yeah I need to. So um with this one you don't actually put n on the end. There's a verb ahtaja. Um, yeah, yeah, but you say ila. You know, there are some verbs that just kind of have um, a preposition tied into them a little bit. Like it's very hard to separate them from the preposition that you have to use with them. Um, the verb dhahaba is like that to go somewhere. You you can't really say anadhabu without saying ila. If you're gonna say if you're gonna say any if you're gonna say that you go anyway, you have to say you go to this place, right? You know, as I've said before, you know, we, we can't say, you know, I you know I I go. I, I went restaurant, yeah, maybe, maybe some people say that in English, but you shouldn't, right, you should say, I went to the restaurant, and the verb ahtaja, yeah, um, is, is just like that, right, so, ila, I need to do something, and in that case, like, you don't, you're not going to say ila, and then a verb, right, you, you use a noun after that, so if you're going to say, if you're going to say, if you're going to say to go, like, I need to go, yeah, you could say, ila dhahabi. Yeah, so so going is the verb. That's that's the noun, right? And you use that instead. So um, yeah, that's that that's that's an example of where you might use a verbal noun or a mustard. I know some of the students on my program have asked me to kind of go into a little bit more detail of what we even mean by a mustard. Like when do you use it and what is it for? So maybe we'll use that as an example. But anyway, so the next one to say like um, I should do something. You should do something. You use this verb yanbari, but there are there are a number of verbs that we're gonna that we're gonna learn about in this lesson today, which, regardless of what person you're speaking about, you always use this beginning verb in the third person, right? So let me show you what I mean. So, if we're gonna say something like I should, you know, I should drink, I should drink some water, yeah, I should drink water. So even if you're talking about I, right, the I should at the beginning, you say yanbari. You still use the yanbari. You don't say anbari. You say yanbari n. So it's like, he should that I drink, yeah? Ashraba, yeah, ma'an, water, right? So there are only a few verbs that are like that, and we'll go through them in this lesson, but yanbari is one of them. So regardless of who should do something, you still say yanbari, but it's the next verb after that indicates the person, right? So 
I should drink yanbaghi and ashraba, you should drink yanbaghi and tashraba, we should drink yanbaghi and nashraba, right? It's the next verb afterwards that indicates the person, right? And that, that's the case with that verb and a couple of others that we'll have a look at now. So another one is yejibu en. You know, this yejibu, some of you might recognize it as being from this term wajib that you hear quite often in like, it's a fiqhi term, wajib, to mean that something's compulsory. I think it's pretty much synonymous with the term fard for it to be compulsory, but um, yeah, wajib, um, wajib. So it just means that it must be, it must be, right? So if you're going to say like, I must something, something, you'd still say yejibu en, and then it would be indicated in the next person, yeah? If it's saying like, you know, um, I don't know, we must, we must, we must travel. Yeah, we must travel tomorrow or something like that. So it'd say, yejibu en nusafira. Yejibu en nusafira. So the, the yejibu still stays yejibu, just like yanbari stays yanbari, but it's the verb afterwards which indicates the person, right? But, but yejibu is the way of saying, like, you have to or you must. It's, it's synonymous as well. You can say min al-wajib. Min al-wajib en nusafira. You know, it's compulsory that we must travel or, you know, min al-wajib en nadrusa. We have to study, right? So, um, yeah, min al-wajib and yejibu. They're, they're the same thing. Very similarly, right? So we, we kind of learned about how saying you have to, you can say yejibu en, or you can say min al-wajib en. The next examples we'll talk about are saying mumkin. Like mumkin is is used all the time in our media. Like it can get you out of things all the time. Like saying, you know, I had, you know, I remember hearing tourists all the time say to people like near the pyramids, when like people try to sell you stuff near the pyramids, people are like, oh, mumkin bukra. It's like maybe tomorrow. <laughs> mumkin bukra. Bukra is a word that, Bukra does exist in Fusha, but it doesn't mean the same as what it does in Aramiya. I mean, Aramiya, Bukra means tomorrow, but um, it's used in the Qur'an even to mean the morning. Um, yeah, Bukra. It comes from um, comes from the same root as the word Mubakkir, meaning, meaning early. If something is Mubakkir, you do something you do something early. Um, so anyway, yeah, so Mumkin, yeah, back to Mumkin. So just the same as we learnt with like Yajibu and Min al-Wajib, you can say Yumkinu or you can say Min al-Mumkin. Right, you can use either of those two. So you could say yumkinu an, and it kind of means it's possible, right? It's like maybe or it's possible, right? So, um, um, yeah, yumkinu an. It's, it's it's sort of saying it's possible, yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah. We might say something like yumkinu an nashtaria had al beta. Yeah, maybe we'll buy this house. Yeah, min al mumkin. You can say min al mumkin or yumkinu an. Yeah, and they both mean the same thing, and they both need to have N with them as well. So, um, yeah, you can choose. I mean, if if you... It's quite nice to have those varieties, because especially when you write essays, like if you do the GCSE or the A-level or whatever, or, or any other kind of formal exam, and you need to write essays in Arabic, it's nice just to put them both in, you know, rather than kind of two sentences in a row. In the first sentence, if you were going to say something like, you know, يجب أن... يجب أن أستمع... Ummi or something. I, I need to listen to my mom or something like that. In the first sentence, in the next one, you could say min al-wajib and something else, right? You can just show that you understand the variety of different ways of expressing the same thing, and um, that tends to get good marks, inshallah. And then the very last one is um, just on the same note of have to. There's one that I missed out. Um, rather than saying yajibu an, there is something that you can do which doesn't use a verb at all. You can use the verb ala and then bi. To say that something is compulsory, that you must do something, ala and then bi. So we see this in a hadith, 
um, it's in that book. Like I, I taught a load of hadiths from this book ages ago. It's a little book with the 30 hadith for children. Um, there's like the first 10 hadith from it that I teach on my YouTube channel. So those of you who are on my YouTube channel now, you can check that out if you want. Or if you're listening on the podcast, you can go over to the Arabic with Sam YouTube channel as well. But um, yeah, but the, the messenger of Allah Sallam uses this himself in a hadith where he says, Alaykum bisidq. Alaykum bisidq. So alaykum, it is upon you bisidq. Like truthfulness, like speaking the truth. You know, it's compulsory for you to be truthful. Alaykum bisidq. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Or if you just used it singular, alayka bi, something else, right? You'd use, you'd use a noun after that. So alayka bi, whatever, right? Whatever you want to say is compulsory for that person. So, so that's not a verb, but I thought it'd be worth mentioning in case you encounter it or wish to use it yourself. Um, so that's everything. I think we've probably covered like... I don't know, what, another 10 new words or something like that, and a few sentences, a few phrases chucked in here and there. Um, cool, so how should we end the podcast? Um, I'd like to invite you guys to something. I always like to end my videos, my podcast, by kind of inviting you to something so that you can um, benefit from something else. So, um, yeah, I suppose I'll tell you a little bit about the Arabic in 60 Steps program. Um, I'm sure that a lot of you guys have heard of it. Um, uh, yeah, but it is my kind of flagship program. It is the thing that I spend most of my time on. And I dedicate myself to the students most, mostly on that. Um, it's not a free program, um, but oh yeah, that's something cool that I can tell you guys about right now, actually. So I have opened an opportunity for students to start it for only £50. It is, you know, the, it is a pretty colossal undertaking, really. Like, to, to be honest, it's it's a bit bigger than I ever imagined it would be, really. Like, because it is a complete Arabic language program to take you from, like, understanding just your very first sentences all the way up to reading like arabic travel writings being able to read newspapers in arabic and it's it's mainly focused towards reading arabic although it's not against speaking it's just um you know that's just kind of the format that it is it's mainly a spoken arabic program which is the foundation of, of arabic anyway but um yeah so so normally normally the program is about 500 pounds just under 500 pounds but um but i've opened up an opportunity for students to pay for it to pay for it, fifty pounds a month for ten months, so you can split up your payments for as much as ten months. And I mean, fifty pound a month, like some of you guys are spending that on like a, a Sky TV subscription and stuff. Like that's, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of people can kind of come up with that. And I don't think that's too much to ask for something where, you know, you get, you get, you get like premium resources sent to you in the post. You get six months of mentorship from either myself or one of my team members. You get access to, you know, the Facebook closed community of all of the all of the students that are in there. You get access to all sixty of the video lessons, right? And each one of the lessons has, you know, has exercises in the workbook. You have the answers there, so you can check your own work as well. You have access to bonus translations and stuff. And you can also download the audio of the videos as well. Um, just in case you, you're a person who likes listening to the podcast, as you probably are if you're here, um, you might like to consume the course while you're in the car or you're driving around or whatever. So that's also available to you too. So there's tons of resources. It's packed with support, packed with reasons for you to actually finish it. And, um, you know, it's a program that I very, very much uh, believe in. So if you have any questions about it, you can just get in touch with me as well. I'm a pretty easy to get hold of guy. You can drop me an email, arabicwithsam at gmail.com. You can get in touch with me on Instagram, um, at arabicwithsam. I respond to pretty much all of my DMs if I can. Um, Facebook, arabicwithsam. Twitter, arabicwithsam. Um yeah, pretty much everywhere, really. I'm even on Snapchat as well, if if you're on Snapchat, and um, that's the best way for you to get hold of people. 
Let's call it a day there. I'll let you guys get on with the rest of your day. Thank you very much for joining me for episode 35 of the Arabic with Sam podcast. Next episode, episode 36, is going to be about um, the Arabic GCSE tips, hacks, and questions. Because my inbox is full of people who want help with the Arabic GCSE. Um, I've spoken quite abruptly about my thoughts on the Arabic GCSE in the past. But I think it'd be nice to give a, um, a balanced... Um, a balanced episode on it. So that will be next week, episode 36 of the Arabic with Sam podcast. I'll see you guys then. A very warm assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.